what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Glass Seats Podcast, where two hockey aficionados discuss their perspectives on headlines surrounding the NHL, including recent stories, game highlights, league culture, and other topics trending amongst the fans. I'm Vidi. And my name is Bernal. And this week, hockey is bubbling. It sure is. Do you feel sure. the, the tension building? Uh, too much, both in both in the playoffs, in the, in the Bedard race, and the, I mean, whatever else, I mean, like the yeah. awards race. We got everything. One. About a, about a week left in the season. I think uh, today is Thursday, uh, April 6th. Mm-hmm. It's ending next Friday. Mm-hmm. So just about a week left. Yeah. About Play four it. to six games left per yeah. team. Something like that. Lottery odds are not set. Mm-hmm. Wild cards are not set. Mm-hmm. A lot to play for this week here. And right up to the end of the season here. And I am I'm ready for the playoffs, man. Mm-hmm. I want it. Are you biting your nails off yet? Are you nervous? No, I saved that for game seven. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. But, uh... I can feel the tingles. Good. The tingles. Good. I'm yeah. glad. As it should be. That's that's what that's what NHL hockey is all about. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're coming up here on the end of the season, so I think this episode we're going to take a look at some of the end-of-the-season awards, get yeah. some predictions going, a um, couple other stories to follow up on. So it should be a full episode this week. Uh, let's Shall we dive right into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's start with end-of-the-season awards. There's a bunch of them here. Um, we're going to go through them one by one. Sure. Uh, the way we're going to do this, I asked you to prepare your list of who you want to win these awards and not mm-hmm. tell me. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we'll go through. We'll alternate. I'll start with one, then you start with one. And um, yeah, we can see, have a little debate going. Yeah. Uh, there are, how many of these? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of these. Mm-hmm. So um, let's keep, try and keep each one a little bit short and keep it moving here. Sure, yeah. Uh, we're going to start with the Masterton Trophy. Mm-hmm. This is awarded for dedication to hockey, uh, typically given to a player who's, you know, come back or battled from injury or someone who has gone through, like, longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2022, it was awarded to Carey Price, mm-hmm. um, who had uh, some rehab issues and things like that and came back and played last year. Uh, so for 2023, uh, who did you have for this trophy? I'm going to have to go with uh, Jonathan Taze. Um, I think, I mean, everyone knows that he's been, well, for those who don't know, he's been battling long COVID, which basically means um, elongated COVID symptoms. So even though he's not COVID positive, he has been still dealing with the symptoms and affecting his ability to skate. I believe he missed all of um, all of last season because of it. So he's been he's been back. He recently came back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's skating and everything. But uh, I think... I mean, he hasn't fully decided yet, but I think he's going to be hanging them up pretty soon. Um, But just to even battle back from that and, you know, just to celebrate the uh, illustrious career he's had, I think I think the Masterton's going to him. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he came back and got into game shape, not just practices, he was playing games. That was impressive. Yeah. Definitely good nod there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I went a different direction. I went for kind of longevity. Okay. And I gave it to Marc-Andre Fleury. Really? Okay. For um, this will be his 17th consecutive season in the playoffs. That's crazy. Yeah. Which is a record amongst goalies. Mm-hmm. And um, it's almost to the overall record. The overall record is 20, which mm-hmm. is held by uh, Nick Lidstrom and one other player. It was uh, Nick Lidstrom and Larry Robinson. Mm-hmm. So he's three off the overall record for consecutive playoff appearances, which That's is impressive. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so for that one, and I think Flurry kind of doesn't get his due sometimes. No. Uh, he did get a Vesna. But, uh, you know, he's had a very long career, very successful career. So mm. this one's going to him. I think, uh, very, very quick side note, I think the fact that, you know, a lot of people dismiss Flurry because of his couple bad years in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Th- those years aside, he's done some unreal stuff with his uh, hockey career. And people forget he was a number one overall draft pick. Yeah. When How often does a goalie go number one overall? Yeah. I mean, again, not to like say like, oh, he was 
amazing straight from the draft or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, like he's definitely he's shaped the Penguins to what they are, and he's he's built Vegas or he's helped build Vegas into what they are, and I mean. You know, give the man his respect, basically. Yeah, and I mean, Minnesota's having a great season this year, too. Yep. So, yep. yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury. Gotcha. Shall we move along here? Um, next award here is the Marc Messier Award, ordered, uh, awarded for outstanding leadership mm-hmm. in the NHL. In 2022, it was given to the Anze Kopitar, mm-hmm. uh, captain of the Kings. Mm-hmm. For 2023, I decided to give this to Nico Hishier, captain of the really? New Jersey Devils. Okay. Brand new captain, fairly young, but that team has been impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, they've kind of finishing out their rebuild here. They're getting into the playoffs, mm-hmm. and I think Heischer's really growing into that role of a captain. So mm-hmm. um, he was my pick for the Marc Messier Award. Gotcha. Yeah, I had to go with uh, Patrice Bergeron. And uh, honestly, a lot of people have strong feelings, let's say, against yeah. Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, but the constant number one name that always comes up as but he's an exception, is Patrice Bergeron. And I think that there's a reason for that. Like, for example, this this year, um, you know, he's been wearing the C since since Chara left um, mm-hmm. or Chara retired. And he's he's been, like, going above and beyond to, you know, do things for his teammates too. You know, he's been checking in on the mental health of teammates, which in, in the NHL is, you know, mental health is barely even a thing. It's more of a just tough it out and, you know, how bad do you want it kind of deal. So for him to do that as a captain for his own teammates – that's a good captain right there. That's the leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And he's been a big leader in Boston for a long time, but he yes. was never the captain just because they had Chara there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think with what the Bruins have done this year, it's incredible yeah. to see. Um, they're like 20 points clear of second place right now, <laughs> yeah. something like that. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Stellar season by the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Uh, next. You, what do you think of the, for the GM of the year? Um, the Jim Gregory Award. I, I believe Sackick won it in 2022. Oh, yeah. And um, what do you got for this year? For me, uh, sticking with the Bruins theme, I went with Don Sweeney. What mm. that he's done with that team and what they've achieved this year. Mm-hmm. And then to go to the trade deadline and add on, mm-hmm. and not just any of that's Dmitry Orlov and uh, Garnet Hathaway, mm-hmm. who have been great adds to Boston, just made that team better. Mm-hmm. Fantastic job. And honestly, um, the GM of the year is kind of an award like... Does it really matter if you, unless you win something? That's true. But they've clinched that president's trophy, and I think they deserve the recognition for that. Yeah. Or Don Sweeney deserves that recognition. I agree. I'm going to have to go with uh, Tom Fitzgerald, uh, New Jersey Devils, because mm-hmm. um, I, I I do honestly think that the Devils are a little bit of a sleeper candidate for the uh, for a deep run in the playoffs. And if you've seen, again, with Nico Heischer being, being named captain and, and other deals throughout the year— uh, including the Timo Timo Meyer trade, I believe. Honestly, I feel like they somewhat fleece the Sharks on that a little bit. I don't know, man. Meyer has been questionable in Jersey. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I think he's still getting used to the team, but mm-hmm. still, uh, from a transaction standpoint, you can't really argue with that. And you know the the fact that they were able to you know clinch the playoffs not just by not just by a hair, but like actually you know it, it feels like they actually have a, a real solid foot in the door this year. Um, I mean, that says a lot, uh, and you can't really argue with the success of that. Uh, well, well, I think we'll see. I think that's a bit of a out-there take, if I had to be honest. All right. It, you know, when you've got GMs like, you know, uh, Joe Sackick, who won it last year, is mm-hmm. managing the Avalanche and keeping mm-hmm. them relevant, mm-hmm. um, what Edmonton's done. Um, granted, I think Edmonton's taking a lot longer than they could have. Yeah. So um, I can see why for GM people might be hesitant. Yeah. Um, even someone like David Poyle, who um, sold at the deadlines, and suddenly now the Predators are in the wild card hunt. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's a bit of an out there take. But I'd be interesting to see how that one works out. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Uh, Jack Adams, this is awarded to Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. Who do you got? I got Jim Montgomery, Boston. I mean, okay. uh, first, I, I believe this is first season. I, I think uh, Bruce Cassidy was relieved last, last summer um, in the offseason. And, I mean, do we need to say more? Look at the standings. Look yeah. at what he's done to an already amazing Boston team. It's just absolute dominance. It's almost like, again, like, I, hopefully, I, I don't want to, like, jinx anything, you know, but, like, President's Trophy course is real, but mm-hmm. I mean, look at how how dominant they are this year. Yeah, like, and the coaching has to do with that. So the last time we saw a team this dominant, though, was Tampa. They got swept by I know, Columbus. I know. Yeah, <laughs> so, four years ago. Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you know he's done a great job with that team. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, for me, you know, yeah, sure, he did a great job with Boston, but they've got a stand- solid roster too. I think someone who's kind of flowing under the radar. Because I think with a lot of these awards, there's a bit of a recency bias for the end of the season. Yeah. But if we look at how the Seattle Kraken started this Mm -hmm. season and how they continue to play, sure, results have been a little iffy in the Mm -hmm. second part of the season. Mm -hmm. But they were so strong in the first half of the season. And I love watching their games because, you know, there's no one player that takes over. There's no McDavid. There's no Pasternak. There's Mm -hmm. no McKinnon. But they all play together, and they're all on the same system. Mm-hmm. You can see that they know where they're going to be. They know what the plan is. And I think that's um, giving props to Dave Haxtell, head coach of the Seattle Kraken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's my pick for the Jack Adams. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a great pick. I Again, as you said with Seattle, they, they have been, uh, you know, really inconsistent at times. But, you know, like you can't really argue with the success, especially compared to last year where they weren't even close to a playoff spot. And now... They honestly might clinch tonight, so let's see. You can't even argue with the coaching success at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, moving along here. We're going on to uh, the Lady Bing. Mm-hmm. This is offered to the most gentlemanly player. Mm-hmm. In 2022, it went to Kyle Connor of mm-hmm. the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. And my pick, I think, was no contest, was Anze Kopitar of the LA Kings. Really? Okay. Yeah. Let me just read you the stat line. 68 points in 78 games, four penalty minutes. Mm. Four. That's crazy, yeah. As a top player on the LA Kings. Yeah. Who are not afraid to hit and, mm-hmm. and you know, get in there. Mm-hmm. But he's been looking good. LA has a bunch of young kids. Kopitar's been keeping up. He's been leading that squad. Mm-hmm. And you can see it. Four penalty minutes. He's showing them how to play. Yeah. And he's still got... He's just under a point a game. 68 points in 78 games. Mm-hmm. This is that line. I think it's far and away. That's Kopitar's award this year. Yeah, you're probably right. I truthfully, I don't know if I have a prediction for that one. Um, mm-hmm. But four penalty minutes? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's got to go to Kopitar. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, for the for the Calder uh, Rookie of the Year, uh, who? I mean, I, there's been a lot of options that you could pick from, but I mm-hmm. think there are. There's one, one and above, kind of like Kopitar. Who do you got? I took Maddie Beniers oh, out in Seattle. Same. Yeah, I think that one's no contest. Mm-hmm. He has been come a part of that Seattle's core. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifty four points in seventy eight games for him, fourth in scoring in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's Maddie Beniers' trophy. Hot take: I don't even think Seattle's in a playoff spot without that man. Oh no, absolutely not. Yeah, actually, I don't even know if that's a hot take. I think that might be common sense at this point. Yeah, yeah I mean, Seattle's been really good this year and quick, quite a big turnaround from last year. And I think mm-hmm. Maddie Beniers has been a huge part of that. So I agree. That, that's his. Yep, gotta agree with that one. All right, coming on here to the big awards. Uh, Selkie Trophy. This was awarded to the uh, best defensive forward mm-hmm. in 2022. It was given to Patrice Bergeron of mm-hmm. Boston Bruins. Uh, this award has kind of been nicknamed the Bergeron Award. Yep. How many times he's won it? Mm-hmm. Who do you got in 23? 
Uh, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, Patrice. Yep. <laughs> They're going to rename the award eventually to him to his name. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, I'm not betting against him. Come on, like that. That's, at this point, I know better to not bet against him for that award. Yeah, I think the Selkie is one of those awards where like you have to become a Selkie person, and then it kind of goes to them. Like Bergeron's one of them. Kopitar's another one. Yeah. Uh, Mark Stone in Vegas, who didn't play this year, unfortunately, mm-hmm. was another one. Yeah. But I went a little out of left field on this one. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think. Mitch Marner for Selkie. Why is that? He plays on the top uh, penalty kill unit Mm -hmm. in Toronto. He's got 95 points, four shorthanded goals, second Mm -hmm. in the league only to JT Miller in Vancouver, who is not good defensively 5-on-5, but somehow plays on the PK for some reason. Mm -hmm. But I think Mitch Marner has upped his game defensively. When you watch uh, Leafs games, you see him take over on both sides of the puck. I think he's been phenomenal. Uh, the one ding against him, he's not a center, so he doesn't take faceoffs, which mm-hmm. is a huge part of defensive play in hockey. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, other wingers have gotten entered the conversation like Mark Stone. I think Mitch Marner should be in that conversation, and I'd give it to him this year. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I see that. I Personally, I, I can see him being a nominee, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I do think Patrice Bergeron still got that one in the bag. So, yeah, I guess we'll see in June. Yeah, yeah. All right. This next one's one of my favorite awards, the Norris Memorial Trophy. I love watching defensemen. Some of my favorite players to watch. This award is for the best defenseman in the NHL. Um, for me, um, I know there's been a lot of noise about Eric Carlson getting close to 100 points. But, you know, I think that's only half the game. That's mm-hmm. only the offensive side of the game. And for that, I can't really give it to Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Josh Morrissey in mm-hmm. Winnipeg. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so he's been good offensively. He's been good defensively. He's got the Jets in a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, if the Carlson wasn't on the Sharks, would they be any different? They're kind of at the bottom of the league anyway. Mm-hmm. For that reason, I think Morrissey has had more of an impact with his play, and that's why I'd give him best defenseman. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trace back a little bit to what you said um, earlier, mm-hmm. and you said this was one of your favorite trophies. Yeah. I'm going to be totally honest with you. This is one of my least favorite trophies oh, because really? I – do not it's it's honestly throwing a dart uh into the middle of nowhere and hoping you hit the target because i so i voted eric carlson for this mm-hmm. and because of his offensive ability and at this point i feel like the norris trophy especially the past couple years has just gone to the defenseman who can score a bunch of points yeah. and at this so i want to say i want to say adam fox will win it mm-hmm. but i think it's going to go to eric carlson just because of how what this trophy means now to play it now these couple of years. Well, put it this way. I don't think the point of this exercise is to predict who's going to win it. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Most of these voters, I think, just look at the point score and say, who's at the top? Oh, it's Eric Carlson. Who yeah. cares that he's minus 20-something? Yeah. Uh, who cares that, you know, every time you watch him play, he's basically up the ice with the forwards and one defenseman's back. Yeah. Which is, you know, I can go on a whole rant about why you shouldn't be the offensive defenseman. But yeah. I want to see, why do you think Adam Fox? Because I think that's more interesting. Why do you think Adam Fox is the best defenseman this year? Uh, I mean, so I think the reason they are, or he's going to, he should be winning it is, um, you know, like given, sure, we all know the Rangers are, especially post-trade deadline, they're an offensive powerhouse. But, um, you know, going along with the, uh, with a, not going to spoil it or anything, but a possible Vesna candidate, uh, Igor Shesterkin, Um just him and with Igor and uh, Adam Fox, if you watch them together, um, sure, uh, Igor's in the crease, but watching them together, they provide a very solid backbone for the offense of the Rangers to kind of go do their own thing, get a little bit creative, kind of like try some 
you know, try some unconventional strategies out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, when you have that kind of offensive power, it's almost uh, similar to Toronto at this point. You kind of have to like just give credit where credit's due. Adam Fox has done an amazing job defending that blue line. Um, I mean, yeah, from a purely defensive standpoint, I sure. I don't know how how you can really argue that. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's my that's my two cents on it. But I do no. think it's going to go to Eric Carlson. Yeah. No, I love that that comment about how together with the goalie they provide mm-hmm. this backbone, and mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. You know, hockey is such a big team sport, mm-hmm. and it's a great transition. What you were saying about the Vesna. Yeah, uh, which is goes the best goalie in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shesterkin won it last year. Yep. You have him again this year. I am going to have to give it to Linus Allmark to uh, of the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have seen like there's some people kind of not people but like some media outlets kind of criticizing him, saying oh he's he's kind of new, he's kind of fresh, he's done amazing stuff with Boston in the regular season. Let's see how he is in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I mean. Hey, this is a regular season. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or doesn't count the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, when going back to when you said Tampa got swept in 2019, they still yeah. cleaned the award show in Vegas. Yeah, deservedly. Yeah. And I mean, the, the you can't really argue with that at this point. Like I look at his dominance this this season. Uh I don't exact I don't have his save percentage pulled up, but um mm-hmm. you can can you really argue it at this point? Uh like they're 20 points ahead in in yeah. the in the league race and in the president's trophy spot. Mm-hmm. How are you going to argue at this point? He, he also provides that very solid backbone that, um, for Boston to, you know, do their thing. Yeah. Um, if you were going to argue Linus Lamarck, oh. I'd say, Oh, it's because he has all these star players in front of him. Charlie McAvoy, Patrice Bergeron, David Posternock. And that's what I thought when I started researching this. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I looked at the numbers and I'm like, no, it's Linus Lamarck. He's also my pick because yeah. he is in the top amongst the leaders in save percentage. He's amongst the leaders in goals saved above average, mm-hmm. which is a stat that measures if you put in the league average goalie, how many goals would you is your goalie saving above that? Mm-hmm. So he is like one of the league leaders in that, which means in spite of what Boston's doing in front of him, on average, he's saving more goals than would be expected out of a league average goaltender. Right. And a lot more goals. Right. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. It's all Mark's trophy. Yeah, and to go back to the winner last year, Igor Shesterkin, mm-hmm. um, sure, they the Rangers, you know, forwards weren't, like, as built up as they are, you know, this year. But, again, provides a very solid backbone for the forwards to kind of go do their thing mm-hmm. and, you know, try unconventional plays, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know how you can argue with that. He's stopping pucks, and that's what a Vesna winner does. Yeah. I don't know how you can really Hands argue down. against. Yeah. And so. Yeah. All right. These last two trophies, I think we should do together. Yeah. Um, these are two different, basically, MVP trophies. There's the Hart Memorial Trophy and the Ted Lindsay Award. Mm-hmm. The Hart Memorial Trophy is voted by the NHL Writers Association, mm-hmm. and the Ted Lindsay is voted by the NHL Players Association. Yes. So you could technically have two different winners, but a lot of years it's the same. Mm-hmm. Last year, Austin Matthews won both. Um, this year, I think you and I are going to say the same thing. So I'm going to count three, two, one, and let's say it. All right. Uh, first name and last name. Okay. Three, two, one. Connor, Connor McDavid. McDavid. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. It's it's a clear, clear yeah, win. It's a it's clear win. Look at the man. Oh, look at the amount of points and what he's done. I think the Oilers are on a six game heater right now, going into mm-hmm. the playoffs or something like that, uh, which is exactly what you want to see. Teams that you know historically go into the playoffs ice cold are usually bounced pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but again, look, look at what McDavid has done this year from a stats perspective, from a leadership perspective. I uh, I don't even think it's a competition this year. Oh, look absolutely not. Yeah, he is. Um, the second highest scorer on the Oilers is 
Leon Dreisaitl at 123 points. McDavid has 148. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, do you think he can make 160 by the end of this season? Uh, there's three games left. 160 will be tough. Yeah. It'll be... Uh, 155? Yeah, uh, no, no. No. Because if, if he's smart, he's going to take it easy these next three games probably, and rest yeah. for the playoffs. You're right, yeah. So I think he'll hit that 150 mark. Two points is easy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't looked at who they're playing these last three games, mm-hmm. but two points should be doable. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure if he wanted to, he could get the 160. I don't think he should. Save your energy. You're right. I want to yeah. see five points in round one, game one. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, those are our awards. Um, if you got, you know, your own own contributions, your own predictions, your own uh, hot takes, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Um, finishing out here with a couple other stories. Um this one came out a few days ago. Um, Alice Hemsky, who um, last played in the NHL for Montreal in 2018, he also played for Edmonton, Ottawa, and Dallas through mm-hmm. his career. Um, he came out talking about how um, he's been struggling with depression since ending his hockey career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have a concussion history. Yeah. But um, this depression, he said, was less about um, concussion and more about just what do I do with the rest of my life? You right. Know? He, he's in his late 30s. Um, and is retiring from mm-hmm. hockey. And he's like, this was a, such a big part of my life, my whole childhood. And um, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I So I actually first learned about this through uh, through an article or, or an Instagram post. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, he basically was talking about how he felt almost like a – it was affecting his just day-to-day life. Even as a, as a father, he felt like a weird like resentment for his own own kids because he was like you know changing diapers and not having this sort of purpose and he was also um going back to the concussion thing he was hiding his mental health problems behind a facade of oh i'm concussed Mm -hmm. you know it's it's concussion issues basically when he knew deep down it was it was the root of it was his mental health yeah um and honestly the most shocking part i think about all this is how under the radar this has gone sure he's been retired since um or it hasn't played since 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a minute, but it's it's very, very odd to me that this has just kind of gone under the radar, especially in a league that is, you know, trying to be better about, you know, health, mental health. And, and I, I don't think it's just, um, I don't think just hockey has this problem. I think as we've seen in the NFL or mm-hmm. in, in other sports leagues, um, concussion problems that lead to mental health problems is yeah. hugely problematic amongst uh, professional sports. Uh, what is your take on on the way this is handled or how it should be handled? Um, yeah, what are your general thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, you know, the support for these kind of players is a bit lacking, right? Yes. Like, um, you know, why does he feel like he has to hide it behind a concussion problem or things like that when he can... Why doesn't the leagues have support for this? You know, this is not a nobody, right? This is Alex Hemsky who... Yeah. Uh, played for years yes. in uh, in the NHL, uh, over a decade in the NHL. Mm-hmm. How many players are there who also dedicated their lives to hockey, got maybe one or two games in the NHL, then had to retire? Yeah. How many of them feel like they've lost their purpose? Yeah. You know, like, why are there no support for this? You know, mm-hmm. I think it starts much earlier, right? It starts mm-hmm. at, you know, when these kids are, um, you know, coming up through their um junior leagues in canada or through the uh collegiate system in america here to have their skills developed for not just for hockey but life after hockey as well right you know 
Um, and I don't know too much if NHL has anything. I haven't heard much if they have anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it'll be talking about mental health. It'll talk about maybe some financial management. Um, we've seen issues like that across sports leagues as well. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just another story where it's pointing to the evidence that, hey, something needs to help these right. guys out. Right. Yeah. I So I believe that the NHL, possibly, possibly all four sports leagues, um, kind of need to set up a not necessarily mandatory, but like a post-career retirement plan for players. Because you have to remember, a lot of these players, they have spent since literal childhood trying to get to this point where they are. Yeah. And, you know, ho- like hockey, in this case, hockey is all else Hemsky has known. Then he retired, has to be, you know, has to be a dad, has to live a quote-unquote normal life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big transition to make after he, yeah. you've been doing this for, for and, three decades. And it's often a sudden transition. Yes. You know? yeah. yeah. All of a sudden you're playing hockey and, and, and next thing you know, you're done. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, whether you retired, whether you had a great career, whether you won, whether you injured, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's done suddenly. And that's, that would mess up anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's say, for example, we're on this podcast right now. We like creating content. We like, you know, shooting podcasts. We like talking about hockey. Mm-hmm. What if that was all just gone like that? Yeah. You would struggle with that too. Yeah, I gotta find something else to build my identity around, right? Yeah, you know, and that's that's tough. Yeah, and and it's really shocking, honestly, um, to see that mm. there's just no um, resources essentially that the NHL or any other league. I can't really speak for any other league, but at least the NHL hasn't set up um, yeah. for these players. And if there is, it's clearly not doing anything. Um, you know, given that Alex Hemsky has opened up about this, you know, like yeah. it's clearly not helped him enough. Um, so it's an issue that needs to be addressed. Definitely. Yeah. And this is another podcast, another set of fans asking for the NHL to support their players, man. They give you the prime of their lives. Yeah. And I think a little help with the rest of their lives is not that much to ask for. My only, uh, my only possible, um, counter argument to it, I guess you could say is, do you feel like it's, uh, obviously we know mental health is still, there's a huge stigma around it. It's touchy, especially Mm -hmm. in the NHL. Do you think it's uh invasive to have a post-career retirement plan like do you think it should be optional do do you think it should be um mandatory what do you how do you feel about that i think the resources should be there if you want them okay you know um this isn't this exactly why things like the players union exists Mm -hmm. you know uh it doesn't even have to be the nhl offering it Mm -hmm. it can be the players union Mm -hmm. but you know um the players union i think is struggling to get a some traction against the NHL. They haven't come out great out of the previous lockouts. Right. They just got the new head of the players' union, Marty Walsh, this right. year. So let's see if they can uh, get some traction there. But this seems like something that they should be able to handle, have resources to point to. Uh, I'm not even talking about money. I'm just talking about, hey, can he can he ask someone about where do I go if I'm feeling like this? You yeah. Know? Why why is he hiding and not talking to his wife about it? You know, right. those kind of things which aren't expensive. Yeah, you know, right. Especially, yeah. and he himself has admitted, you know, I've, I've made good money for my career, but what happens when that passion, when that purpose is lost? And I, yeah. I don't think this even like relates to just like NHL players or athletes or this. This relates to everyone. You know, mm-hmm. it's just how sudden that changes in hockey or or in any sort of professional sports there needs to be a proper transition period. Otherwise yeah. it's going to create problems, you know, at home or in personal life. And it really needs to be, um, addressed. All right. Yeah. Um, 
we're coming up here on the end of this episode. Um, before we head out, I just wanted to say a few things. We don't have to discuss this in depth, but I wanted yeah. to quote a few players here. Yeah, totally. We talked a few players, uh, sorry, we talked a few episodes ago mm-hmm. about Pride Night and players deciding not to wear the jersey, and um, we had some quotes on what they said. I think I'd just like to take a second here to highlight some of the positive quotes that have mm-hmm. come out in the week since about players in support of it. Um, so just reading off some of these quotes here. Uh, the Blues did not wear the Pride jerseys on their night, but Braden Shen, the player for the Blues, came out and said, you show up to the rink and you play and you support the Pride community and the gay community, and that's all you can really focus on. We support it. I support it. If the jersey's here, I'm wearing the jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn Hughes in Vancouver on their Pride night. Uh, we preach hockey is for everyone, and I certainly believe that it is. And if you say you believe in that, then you should be able to put the jersey on. Uh, Megan Dugan, who played for Team USA, um, had this in um, a session she led with the Toronto Maple Leafs, talking about why Pride Nights are important. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to understand. It's difficult to understand inclusion if you've never been excluded, which mm-hmm. I think is good perspective on all of this. And finally, um, Tyson Berry, uh, defenseman for Nashville. I think it's an awesome initiative. It's something that's really close to my heart. I've got family members and best friends in the community, and there's a little bit of frustration on my end with what's transpired this year for everything. I think I know how hard it can be for people to come out and live their authentic lives, and I hope that none of the stuff that's gone on has pushed anybody back, any young kids who are thinking about it. So I'm just really, really excited that everybody on our team is going to participate. And that was in reference to Nashville, where all the players did wear the Pride jerseys. Mm-hmm. So just wanted to take um, a second to highlight some of the positive out of that story and kind of just follow up on that one. Definitely. Yeah, I really like the uh, Megan Dugan quote, too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's difficult to understand inclusion if you've never been excluded. I, I think a lot of times, a, a lot of reasons we have these issues um, on, I can't believe we're calling this a political, um, political debate. But, you know, like mm-hmm. the fact that we're having uh, these types of... Um, this type of polarization for a topic like this is people aren't simply aren't just understanding what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. Honestly, honestly, as soon as soon as you just realize that, you know, there's a whole person out there who has faced a whole set of challenges that you've never faced exclusive to them. And they just want to be a part of something that you have had the privilege to be a part of. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really that simple. Yeah. I mean, just, try to think what someone else has battled and be respectful and, you know, include them into the game. There's no reason to just be hateful for no reason. Absolutely. Well said. Mm-hmm. And um, I think on that note, we'll end this episode here. Um, thanks for listening along with us uh, next week. We're going to be doing playoff previews mm-hmm. as we're coming up on the last week of the regular season here. So thanks for joining. This has been Glass Seats. We'll see you next Saturday. All right. Peace. Peace.